My mother has a bunch of items that she wants me to get rid of for her. Um, they're not like items that you want. Yeah, I mean, they're not items that I want or need, um, but they're also not like items you would just put in the dumpster. Like, they're perfectly fine. So I was like, sure, I'll put them up on Facebook. So one of these items is this ceramic. It's really nice. I mean, if you're going for a certain look, it's like this ceramic uh, Chinese painted table, like a patio table. And I mean, it can go inside your house too. And it comes with these four little ceramic stools. They're really nice to look at. They have literally never been comfortable to sit on and really impractical. So during COVID, I guess like my parents realized that this was like not the most comfortable seating arrangement for their deck. So were they on the deck? Like, have I sat on these chairs? I think you have. Yeah, they're like not comfortable at all. I've sat on them like maybe three times ever. I have I cannot picture what you're describing, surprisingly. I'll send you a picture later, but they're they're not comfy. Like no one would like choose to sit on these things for like comfort. But so my parents got some like wooden, like normal deck furniture that was like a little more practical, a little more comfortable during the pandemic. But my mom is like, I need you to like get rid of this table and these like stools for me. So I kind of forgot about it. But then I went over and saw them yesterday. My mom was like, please, you got to get rid of this table. And I was like, okay, fine. (laughs) So I put it up on Facebook before I went to bed last night. And this morning I wake up and I have like 20 messages from, I don't know, white people in Newton who just like really are crazy about this like ceramic Chinese table. It's really tracks. And then I was like waiting for the first person to respond to me because I was like, yes, it's still available. And I'm like waiting, waiting. And as I was waiting, like I got like another like 20 messages over the course of like two hours. It's like the tide has stemmed a little bit because I put the sale up as pending. So I was going to say that making it free was probably a mistake, not because you need the money, but for this reason. (laughs) But it's like fine, you know, like I was thinking that because it's free, my parents can literally put it against the side of the house and like the person can just come and take it, you know, right. like whoever gets there first. Yeah, there's like there doesn't need to be like an exchange of cash. Um. Okay, I have some follow up questions. You don't live in Newton. Yeah. So were you in a group or did you just make like a public post? Oh, I just put it up on Marketplace. And I can put the location of the item, so I don't need to put my location. It can just be, like, the zip code in which the item is in. You know so much. I know so little. This morning, I was, like, I feel like I'm just being, like, harassed, like, constantly. I have so many Facebook messages from strangers, like, being desperate for the table. People keep being, like, I will take it today. And I'm, like, I don't – I mean, but, Michael, I don't care. (laughs) But, Michael, it's not my problem. Sorry, sorry. So many people have messaged me being like, if that sale falls through, I will come and get the table. And I'm like, there are like, get in line, Like buddy. 40 people ahead of you. Yeah. <gasps> wow. Anyway, I'm just saying if your parents have any like furniture they would like to get rid of for Facebook Marketplace. Unless you're offering to also sell their stuff, I, I don't think I can be bothered. There are, they are constantly trying to get rid of stuff, though. Um, I think that they, they go on bursts of donating kicks. Because remember, the basement's always full of crap, and then they're always getting rid of it, and then my father's always buying more crap. Yeah, well, I'm just saying that Facebook Marketplace is a good way to just get rid of some shit. Like the fleet of luggage in our basement? Actually, I need luggage. Do you really? I do. I need a suitcase. How big? Well, maybe we can have this conversation yeah, later. Yeah, we can have this conversation <laughs> later, I think. Okay. Well, anything to put off talking about Geely? 
Welcome to Romcomathon. I'm Kat. And I'm Alex. And I, Kat, would like to express that this was not my idea. Again, this was not my idea. It was my idea, but you were so, like, charmed by, like, Benefer 2.0. I was. I understand that you wanted to do something, like, somewhat topical, but it's just funny because I had suggested that we watch that Hulu movie that Chidi is in. Chidi from The Good Place. I forget his real name. (laughs) And Alex was like, oh, well, other Alex watched some and it was, like, not great, she said, but I I can't help but think it would have been better than Geely. Well, I think anything would have been better than Geely, but at least Geely, I feel like when you watch a movie that's mediocre, you're like, oh, I don't have that much to say. But when you watch Geely, you have lots to say. Oh, God, I don't even know if that's true, but it's for anyone who, I don't know, wasn't alive in the early 2000s or just has been under a rock. Geely is a famously horrible movie. It's 6% on Rotten Tomatoes, which is about accurate for how it was perceived at the time and in movie history. It's also famously tied to Ben Affleck and Jennifer Lopez's ill-fated first romance. Yeah, they met on this movie, fell passionately in love, and had a relationship that was very publicized, and people were very excited about it at the time. I mean, they were very famous independently. So it was a very high profile whatever, but I feel like everyone thought they were kind of trashy and everyone, including the parties involved, looking back is like, oh, there's probably a lot of like racist classes shit here. But the really awkward part about this movie is that they met while filming it. And by the time it came out, they were like calling off their wedding. Didn't they call off their wedding in like 2003? Is that when this was released? This movie was released in August of 2003. They met in late 2001 doing this movie, according to Wikipedia. This is, we have not done this research ourselves, just to be clear. Um, I would guess that they started dating in 2002 because she was with someone else and broke that off sometime in 2002, let's assume, because, you know. And 2002 was a busy year for them because I think it's when they filmed Jersey Girl and did the Jenny from the Block video. I'm not 100% sure about that, but it's somewhere while they were together. They were definitely together and presumably got engaged. And then they called off their wedding in September of 2003, like a month after this famously awful movie came out and officially called off their engagement and i assume their relationship in january of 2004 so like this is like a whirlwind max two and a half years yeah i didn't remember by the way that they had been so close to being wed um the first time around probably because it felt like they were only together for a second i know but it was like a really intense second i feel like Yes. This was probably also like right around, we were right around the age when you first start to be really like involved in celebrity stuff. Yeah, we would have been like around like 13, 14. Anyway, so much about that relationship that we could get into. But let's let's start with the horrible movie. Would you like to summarize it? I mean, like, would I? This movie, like, makes no sense. Okay, so... There's so much and yet so little to say. Yeah, so Ben Affleck is, like, some, like, low-level goon for some kind of mob situation. Um, His name is Larry Geely. A horrible name. 
truly terrible and he's in LA and his mid-level boss basically tells him that he needs to kidnap from a like like an adult care facility a mentally uh challenged younger brother of a federal prosecutor basically so that they can like put pressure on the federal prosecutor to drop charges against this mafia don yeah exactly i mean this has famously always worked when you do this to federal prosecutors so good job i I must note that when ben affleck accepts this job he does not know it's a federal prosecutor he has no power so he just does what he's supposed to do so he tells this guy to come with him it's pretty easy actually it's very uncomfortable every scene because this guy is not being played by it's justin bartha (laughs) yeah who i was like oh it's the guy from the good fight yes and honestly it's not necessarily a bad performance although it's an awful movie but it's just a real bummer and very stressful and weird yeah, it's just really uncomfortable. Anyway, this guy is like super obsessed with Baywatch um, and basically Ben Affleck gets him to come with him by saying like, yeah, I'll take you. Although I want to be clear that for half the movie, it's not clear what quote the Baywatch is. We're like, does he want to go to the beach? Because he says like, no, not the show. But I, I think it's that he wants to go to the beach. Yeah, I thought I just thought it was the beach. But like Ben Affleck has no time for this. He's just like, I just got to keep this guy in my apartment. So he takes him to his apartment. A real mastermind of a plan, by the way. Yeah, a little ways into this, um, this woman shows up at his door, Jennifer Lopez, and she is another goon hired by his like mid-level boss to keep an eye on Ben Affleck because the boss doesn't trust Ben Affleck. I'm like, I too don't trust Ben Affleck like so much, but he seems to be doing fine. I don't know why she's showing up. Or like if this is a problem, just like hire her in the first place. But I think the idea is like a, a like an almost prisoner's dilemma kind of thing of like keeping an eye on each other. It's just really, really weird. Like even for a film, I was like, this, this premise seems a little far-fetched like it just it made no sense anyway she turns up and he's immediately like wow she is so hot but jokes on you ben affleck because it turns out that j-lo is a lesbian did not see that coming did you neither did we So, yeah, so J-Lo's like, I'm a lesbian, not interested in your penis, whereas Ben Affleck is trying, like, so hard to sleep with her. To persuade her that the penis is worth having, which, eh. And then he's, like, so bummed about the situation and so sad, and we also find out at some point that Ben Affleck has, like, no friends and, like, no one ever hangs out with him except his mom. I had not fully processed this particularly sad aspect of his life, but you are absolutely correct. Yeah. And in the middle of the film, I really got, like, I got to say, there's, like, nothing happens. Like, they find out that it's a federal prosecutor. They're told they have to keep him. And then the boss calls them and is like, I we need to put more pressure on the prosecutor. So you got to cut off this guy's thumb and send it. And at this point, they're both, like, kind of attached to the guy. And so they don't want to cut off his thumb. So then Instead, they hatch a plan to go into the morgue and get someone else's thumb 
just from a corpse. Now, the only reason they're able to do this and that they hatch this plan is because they happen to be at the hospital. Because, <laughs> get this, J-Lo's ex-girlfriend shows up at his apartment, Julie's apartment, and slits her wrists because she's so upset about her and J-Lo's breakup. I mean, to be fair, J-Lo looks amazing. So maybe oh I too God. would be this upset. And There will be a whole segment later about how good J-Lo looks in this movie. But this woman slits her wrists with one of Ben Affleck's kitchen knives and they have to take her to the hospital. And then they just happen to be there when they're like, let's just go steal a thumb. I was going to do a sidebar about this, but let's just do it now. A couple of things about this thumb morgue situation. First of all, love a movie morgue where only one person ever works. Second of all, going into this, Ben Affleck having his like crisis of conscience or whatever is like, I didn't get into this to be a brutal street thug. And you're like, that's literally what you are that's literally the job that's the whole job though um but then he's also a terrible thug because he doesn't seem to have a knife on him and he's like cutting through the thumb at the morgue with like a plastic butter knife like they throw in when you go to tender greens i had to skip the thumb sawing part because i was eating and I was like fast forwarding and I was like, oh, this sequence takes quite a few minutes. Yeah, I didn't really watch Matt did, but uh, I did clock the knife thing. And then they also do a horrible job mailing it because you're like your fingerprints are everywhere. Anyway, please continue the story. So they mail off the thumb and they're like, congratulations, we did a great job. But then <laughs> they are summoned by Al Pacino. Yes, Al Pacino was in this film. You heard us correctly. Also, Christopher Walken as a cop, like several scenes earlier, only once for no reason. Maybe I was like distracted because I was cooking, but like I didn't know why this man like knew how to show up or like what. I, I don't even know what's going on. Anyway, Al Pacino summons them. He's like the big boss who's like on these charges and he basically summons them over to be like, wow, you guys fucked up real bad. Um, And they now know that this thumb is not the thumb of the federal prosecutor's brother. Because fingerprints. Al Pacino then proceeds to kill the mid-level boss that Ben Affleck has been reporting to this whole time and is like probably gonna kill Ben Affleck and J-Lo but J-Lo like somehow talks her way out of this I don't know I like glazed over she manages to convince Al Pacino that they must like let J-Lo and Ben Affleck live so they can essentially go like kill Justin Bartha and make sure there are like no loose ends so for some reason Al Pacino inexplicably is like yeah okay that makes sense and like lets these like <laughs> Like, <laughs> low-level mobsters go. And then they're obviously like, ooh, we gotta leave town. They're trying to figure out what to do with Justin Bartha. And they're like, should we just take him back um, to, like, the, the facility where we picked him up from? Which is insane, by the way. And they're, like, on their way. But they actually do see, like, Baywatch or something like that being filmed on the beach and they stop there and Ben Affleck calls the courthouse from a payphone to like get Justin Bartha's brother to come pick him up. Oh, and I forgot to mention that obviously JLo and Ben Affleck hooked up sometime in the middle, even though she's like, I'm a lesbian. JLo's like gonna leave town, like Ben Affleck's in love with her and he's kind of like, yes, like take my car, I'll like figure it out. And she leaves and then comes back and they drive off together. The end. So, who? where to begin? Um, Alex had seen this movie like years ago and she was like, is this a romantic comedy? And I was like, 
It is, though. Like, I think it is a romantic comedy. It's just so bad. Well, the problem is, I don't think it was intended to be a romantic comedy. In fact, I, too, watching this in thirds, was like, is this a drama? Because there were so many monologues. And Matt was like, no, I think it's a comedy because, like, this is intended to be funny, whatever. Wikipedia does list romance and comedy. I can't remember about IMD. Whatever. We looked up. Near the end, I was like, oh, maybe it's not a rom-com. Does she just leave? But I had the impression they got together. And in fact, she did come back. But well, according to Wikipedia, they had decided to kill Ben Affleck at the end. But apparently this ending tested terribly on audiences. So they changed it. But I don't really understand because surely the movie tested terribly on audiences and they still released it. I think there was like an Onion article that was like, focus groups demand that they both die at the end. (laughs) (laughs) my question is like was this originally intended to be more of like a crime drama because first of all what is al pacino doing in this movie what is christopher walken doing in this film like i don't know the other thing is that like this writer director's career seems to have been basically destroyed which i wouldn't feel that bad about except that i think i read somewhere that like the script was significantly altered from the original i wonder what the original would have actually been maybe more of a thriller maybe because like a lot of it does seem to be about crime i don't know but then i mean it's about nothing yeah it seemed like his previous work had been well received and then geely was like this historically awful movie (laughs) The bulk of the film is them, like, monologuing at each other. Like, nothing really happens for a lot of it. It's really boring. Yes, it's incredibly slow. I don't think I would have noticed this much, but Matt was constantly complaining about the score. I don't think that even clocked that because of how bad the lines were. It was just really saccharine. Like, as these horrible monologues were happening, you'd be like, what is this music? Most of them monologuing at each other, like a bulk of that was about how she's a lesbian. I mean, let's just go straight to that then. First of all, let's acknowledge that this is the second movie in which Ben Affleck uh, turns a professed lesbian. What was the first one? Chasing Amy. Oh. Which I can't remember if I've seen, but I did know that about it. I can't remember if I've seen that either. Presumably at least a slightly better movie. So look, this was 20 years ago. Let's presume that J-Lo is bi or pan or whatever, as well as maybe Ben Affleck's mom, who has like a whole rapport with J-Lo where she was being like, well, you know how it is with the penises. Sometimes they're just whatever. And Ben's like, what's happening? And she was like, I experimented in my youth. And the thing that was unclear to me was that when they do hook up, which is so inexplicable, by the way, like I I did not see it coming. I mean, I knew it happened, but I just, the moment when it happened was like, oh. It's because she literally spends most of the movie being like, no, thanks, Ben Affleck. I'm a lesbian. I'm a lesbian. Ben Affleck, I'm a lesbian. Hey, Ben Affleck, let's make out. And you're like, wait, what? Yeah, I guess it's like... Yeah, I, I don't know. The proximity, the the ostensible kindness to Justin Bartha, which... Uh, the turn is surprising. Yes, I, I did not see it coming. And, and you should, a little. <laughs> or at least we should, a little. But when they start hooking up, she... I th- as a joke, I think she says something like, show me what I've been missing my whole life or whatever. But I was like, has she been missing it her whole life? It seems like she's been with men before. Yeah, because her his mom says to her, she's had hookups with men or whatever. Like, you can tell her. And, and, and she's like, yeah. I guess maybe she means like, 
show me a successful opposite sex. I don't know. I have no idea. It, it was just, I can't. And it was weird because I was like, well, I guess Ben Affleck is learning some things and I can appreciate the sexual and gender fluidity of this conversation, but there's so much like gendered stuff. I mean, it, it was like 2003, so it was a long time ago. <laughs> On a less serious note, they both have awful names. Yeah. Larry and Ricky. Yeah. Terrible names. Apparently her real name, we later find out, is Rochelle, which is slightly better. I just can't get over, like, the geeliness of it all, so. I was like, oh, this is what you chose to title the movie. You chose a title of movie after Ben Affleck's terrible name. Like, why? Like, is it about... I guess if he... It would have made more sense if he had died. Yeah, that would have made sense. Huh. Also, like, I definitely do call it Jiggly in my mind, and I was glad to see that that also happens to him, you know, in real life, so to say, in the movie. <laughs> I knew it was called Jiggly because, like, culturally at the time, there was, like, a whole thing about how it was Jiggly. Exactly. I must say that also, I guess because I would have been, like, 12 or 13 at the time, for some reason, because of the word Jiggly and the spelling of the word, I kind of thought that Ben Affleck played a gigolo. Oh my god. I think I also had this thought at one point. I mean, it wasn't like a total, like, but if pressed, if you had asked me, I would have been like, maybe he's a pimp. I think at the time, in my mind, I had like changed it. So I thought that Ben Affleck was a pimp and JLo was like, like, you know, the girl he was pimping out or something. Oh. But then they like fell in love or like something of that sort. Mine was a little bit, bit more forgiving power dynamic wise. I'm not sure who I thought JLo was i don't think i thought she was a client but i don't know who i thought she was but i definitely thought he was a gigolo and i wonder if it's because in my mind i just made the title jiggly as in like multiple gigolo <laughs> <laughs> but i didn't know italian at the time so i don't know <laughs> Um, anyway, I I kind of wish it had been that movie instead, especially because later when she was like, you would look good in mascara. I'm like, he probably would. I begin to feel that romantic comedies should not be set in more serious environments. I can't remember if we watched this or just heard of it, but like all those ones where they're like bounty hunters, they're never good movies. I know they should just all stick to like, I don't know, owning like flower shops and like imagine me and you. Yes, this is a low stakes genre. Yes, seriously. The practical stakes are meant to be low in this genre so that you can care about all their emotional nonsense. Speaking of practicalities, right? Sure. How did JLo's ex-girlfriend know where to show up? Uh, did she not give her her address? Well, I assume she must have, but like what would you, what would possess someone to give their crazed ex-girlfriend the address of this guy she's basically just like staying with for a couple of days while she's on a job? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe she was like, hey, I left my scarf. It's insane, right? Like, presumably she would think that she's like only on the shop for a couple of days and then she just move on. So she's kind of like, well, I'm working. I probably won't deal with you. Would you just be like, I'm out of town? Yes, especially if you're a gangster. 
Yeah, it's just, I don't know, like so much of this movie was inexplicably, they're like, oh, well, we have to get them to a hospital. How will we get them to a hospital? Why would they be there? Ah, I know, her ex-girlfriend shows up and she slits her wrists in front of them. Yes, that makes sense. That's good. Also, I must note that this poor actress, who admittedly not given great material to work with, an even worse performance than Ben Affleck and J-Lo, which is truly saying something. It was horrible. I was like, this is the one performance worse than these two people. Yeah, it's really bad. And then there's like the whole Justin Bartha like side plot, which I can't, I was like, I struggle whenever this is happening on screen. I have a hard time watching this. Yes. And now obviously we're much better, or at least we try to be about actors of races or ethnicities or neuro differences or whatever playing those people. This was not that time. But I have to say like, this is... In general, I'm really uncomfortable with differently abled child as prop slash plot device. Yeah, I would have massively preferred because like as Alex was like saying, she was like, yeah, like obviously they put this guy in to have some sort of like parental relationship between JLo and Ben Affleck. They have to like baby this grown man. I was like, well, I would have preferred it if they had to put it in like a literal child. There's no way to make this movie better. Like... (laughs) But it was weird, like, there were some parts where I was like, oh, if this was a better movie, like, this might be okay, but it was just so cringy. And I don't know, like, have you ever seen Gilbert Grape? No, I haven't. I haven't either, and supposedly that's a wonderful performance, but I have no idea. I was actually curious. I was like, I wonder if that has aged okay or if it's also this uncomfortable. But he is a child. Yeah, I don't think, like, Sean Penn in I Am Sam or whatever, like, I I don't think that's aged well either. I have not seen that movie. But on a brighter note, can we talk about J-Lo's stomach? (laughs) J-Lo looks amazing. She looks so good. I was like, I've never seen a human being in better shape. There are literally just so many extraneous scenes where J-Lo is exercising or stretching in this film. Like, just so many random scenes where she's, like, monologuing and also, like, moving her body, like, writhing on an exercise mat. And you're like, wow, she looks amazing. Can't even complain. I know. I was like, as a child, I I think this would have, like, stressed me out a little. But as an adult, I'm like... Wow, you're in extremely good shape. When you sit down, you basically like your stomach just remains the same. How? By like not eating anything fun ever, I imagine. Well, she's not even like necessarily styled super well, but she is in general very beautiful and also aging incredibly different conversation. But anyway, so there's that. Although, oh my God, though, when she met Ben's mom and I was like, no, family mouth kissing, no. And then she also kissed J-Lo on the mouth and I was like appalled. And Matt was like, I mean, wouldn't you? That's true. That's true. Fair enough. If you're new to this podcast, Kat and I really, really hate it when family members kiss each other on the mouth. Like we have differing opinions. Like Alex is like not at all weirded out by this where I find this like very weird. Like I don't think it's weird to kiss like children on the mouth. Like necessarily. Although I do think that you probably shouldn't because I feel it sets up this precedent that could continue into adulthood. Yeah. But like when grown people greet their family members by kissing them full on the mouth, like it's just it's weird for me. Yes, and you see it all the time on TV and you're like, what? Like in real life, you see it all. Like I used to see it on Survivor. You see it at like Super Bowls. You're like, what are you doing? And also, not to be whatever, but like this is how little children grow up with mouth herpes because adult relatives kiss them on the mouth. 
in this film, I had not clocked it that Ben Affleck's mother greets J-Lo, a complete stranger, by also kissing her on the mouth. Like, no, no, no. I think it's goodbye. And so they've already bonded over their bisexuality. So I still would not want to be kissed on the mouth, though. No, I wouldn't either. But Matt, I think, was pointing out that given the opportunity to kiss J-Lo on the mouth, like, maybe I would, too. So fair enough. Anyway, for all our feelings on family familial mouth kissing, you should just watch the SNL skit. <laughs> oh my god i forgot about that yes exactly other weird things so that nails thing that they do where j-lo is like basically tricks ben affleck into checking his nails and basically says like if you have a masculine energy you'll do this and if you have a feminine energy you'll do this matt saw this coming and i had never heard of it and honestly like i would think it would be the reverse but also when she first mentioned fingernails i thought it was going to be about sex yeah me too i also thought it was going to be about sex so kat is referring to these two ways that you would check your nails so one would be putting your hand out in front of you and then the other would be like turning your wrist and like looking at your nails and I guess like the more masculine form according to this film is like turning the wrist and the more feminine form is like splaying your hand out in front of you to look and because Ben Affleck in the film like splays his hand she's like ooh I guess that's why I'm into you because you have some feminine energy and I'm a big old lesbian in case I didn't make that clear but I'm going to jump (laughs) on your dick (laughs) Yeah. But really, I would have thought it would be the reverse. Because I feel like you turn your hand like in towards you to like blow on your nails if you paint them. I have no idea because I was like, again, this is just a nonsensical detail in this nonsensical movie. (laughs) (laughs) Last nonsensical detail before we move on. So there's a whole like subplot, a runner, I guess, where Justin Bartha keeps calling Australia to listen to the weather because Justin Bartha's Oh, yeah, this also really added a component that stressed me out. That Justin Bartha's loneliness manifests to some degree as horniness and wanting a girlfriend or, like, wanting to go to the beach with the girls. And some of this is just, like, human connection, which totally. Uh, But it gets a little gross. I feel like this often happens when they include, like, a developmentally disabled person in a film as, like, a plot device. Usually in order to to identify that they are not a child, but they're still being treated in a childlike way, they'll just make them unbelievable horny for, like, no reason. They'll just make them, like, a super horny man, and you'll be like, this is weird. Yeah, and we don't have enough personal whatever to, to know, like, this is probably some people's experience. I, don't, I just don't know, like, is this worse than the flip side, which is to make them super childlike? Well, they managed both. Yeah, that's true. Uh, really, really filling all the potential niches, Julie. Comedy, drama, romance, thumb cutting. Anyway, but but yeah, so some of it is like Ben Affleck first being annoyed that Justin Bartha is calling the Australian like weather channel or whatever and then being kind of sympathetic to Justin Bartha liking to hear the sound of her voice and when they drop him off like on that drive Ben Affleck is giving him this advice about like how to talk to girls basically and by pure coincidence the beach where they drop them off something is filming which turns out not to be Baywatch but maybe some kind of like music video and in the crowd, Justin Bartha meets a girl who happens to be Australian. And Ben Affleck is like standing, watching, smiling, laughing. And Matt pointed out, can he hear this conversation? I had this exact thought. Have bionic ears? Yeah, like the scene kind of makes it seem like Ben Affleck is 
kind of far away, right? Because Justin Bartha has like walked into the middle of being with all these extras, like kind of by accident. And it's just kind of like in the middle of the crowd. And now he's conversing with this Australian girl. But you would think that Ben Affleck is like quite a ways off. Yes, Ben Affleck is definitely like, up the hill on the road. Yeah, he's like, he can see them interacting, but he can't hear anything. Like, it's literally him like, oh, just like my pal Justin Bartha to bring that up. And you're like, is he bugged? Like, what's happening? So, a last nonsensical thing for this nonsensical movie. So, I do have some, well, I do have some worse lines. I have one worse line in it specifically. Okay, you, you go first. Okay. The worst line that I found in this film is... The mouth is the twin sister of the vagina. (laughs) Um, Look, it's impossible to choose, but that was a memorable one in in like a wild mountain time kind of way. Yep. I'm just going to leave it here. I'm not going to give any context. I'm just going to leave it. I'll I'll give some context, but this is what happened to me with worst. The vast majority of my notes for this movie were potential worst scenes. But the problem with a movie this bad is that like, Every three minutes, I was like, just kidding, this is the worst scene. And then like three minutes later, oh, I was wrong. It's this. And it just got worse and worse. So very early on, I was like, wow, have we already hit the worst scene where Ben is like talking about being a gangster's gangster and like pushing Justin Bartha around? Oh, I, for me, the worst scene was probably when he was talking about he was the bull and he was like flexing his muscles and it was like the first scene where he thinks he's going to get J-Lo into bed. Uh, yes. No, no. Seconds later, I wrote, I'm wrong. It's this bull cow bit. Yep. Yep. Which does come back later, by the way, when she's being like, you were saying like someone's the bull and someone's a cow and- you know, he's evolving and he makes a mooing sound to accept being the cow. But this really threw me because do not both the bull and the cow moo. I I don't know. <laughs> I guess <laughs> I was just like, I <laughs> maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like it's not like a rooster situation where they make two different sounds. You're bringing in a lot of logic into this. <laughs> anyway. Let me just like zip along through the movie, okay? And then later I was like, or maybe this eye gouging scene. And then I was like, this is the worst scene where he tries to be like, men are better at sex. Yep. Seconds later, or is her rebuttal featuring your worst line even more revolting? Possibly that one. The context is that Ben Affleck is trying to be like, Basically, like, men and the penis were built to please women and women are just at a disadvantage, which he later walks back because he's obviously wrong. Then J-Lo does, like, almost an interpretive dance where she's, like, on the floor stretching, elaborating all the reasons that the female body is better. It's truly the weirdest scene. Like, the lighting (laughs) is, like, it's dim in this room. Like, she's just, like, on this yoga mat, like, writhing around. It's a sexy music video. I'm talking about the dizzying scent of mouths. (laughs) Like, oh. That was also a bad line. I chose to write down very few, like, specific words because I was just like, I'll just be transcribing this entire movie. (laughs) And then later I wrote, the girlfriend is an even worse actor than the other two. And then, oh, she just slit her wrists. Oh, no. (laughs) Basically, right before this podcast, I went through and organized all of my potential worsts into, like, a short list. (laughs) Oh, Another solid contender is when uh, Justin Bartha is telling Ben Affleck about his horniness and 
He says, they make my penis sneeze. Oh, yeah. And then he says, like, God bless you, penis, which is like then like a thing that happens later in the film. He's like, I say that whenever my penis sneezes. And it's just like, like everything about this whole situation is you're like, wow, this is bad. Yeah. And you're like, I didn't want to know about Justin Martha, like coming in the car. Yeah. That's that's not a thing that I needed today. Nope. It's not what I wanted. Anyway, then lastly, I wrote, oh, no, this monologue of Ben's emotions is the actual worst. Which was when everything kind of comes to a head after, I don't know, we're like two thirds of the way through the movie and she's been being like, you're actually a very sad little man. And he's like, you know what? I am sad. I'm sad because you're so hot and you'll never take my dick. This scene was wild to me because the whole crux of this was that he was like, you're so sexy, but actually you're only into women. So that's why we'll never be together. And I was like, if she loved Dick so much even and was like wildly into men, she might still not be into you. Correct. And I had like a fleeting moment of hope at the end of this film where I thought that he was just going to be like, you know, I really care about you. I want you to be okay. Take my car. And, um, you know, I accept your preferences and that even though we fucked, you don't want to be with me. But like, you know, give me a call if you ever change your mind. I was like, this is actually an okay goodbye for them, considering the quality of the movie. But then she came back. And they kiss. Yes. And I was thinking to myself, does she really want to be with this man who has no friends? That is so sad. (laughs) Like, you know, homosexuality, homosexuality aside, right? Like, whatever. Oh, yeah. The biggest problem with Ben Affleck in this movie is not his penis. No, no. It's his whole personality. God. Okay. Did you have any bests? I did not have any bests. Um, (laughs) So, yeah. Yeah, I would say I would say that. Yep. Early on, I was like, I guess this thing where he doesn't own a single book and is reading packaging to Justin Bartha as like a good night, like he's like reading Tabasco sauce and then toilet paper maybe is kind of funny. I, I think we could say that JLo's body is the best part of this movie. Um, but then when they hooked up, I was like, you know what the best scene is? The part where they were having sex and not talking, even though it was also a bad sex scene and it was not either of them at their most attractive, both in this movie and in general. It was surrounded by so much bad dialogue, but the part where they were silent was probably the best part of this movie. Although I must say that right before this, there was a truly awful line. I mean, a whole completely awful conversation where JLo said things like, it's turkey time. Oh my God, yes. (laughs) Forgot. Gobble, gobble. Yeah, in like referencing that he should go down on her, which I heterolingus was like, what? There's a whole lexicon or like Kama Sutra-y strange mythology happening within this movie. And the only winner is Halle Berry, who didn't end up being in this movie. Yeah. Oh, thank God. Good job, Halle Berry. She really dodged a bullet. Yep. And Matt and I were so curious about how severely the script had been altered and whether the original was better or worse that he tried to see if he could find it, but we were not willing to pay money. Surely better, right? Like, how could it be worse? Exactly. He also gave me this factoid, which didn't mean anything to me until he provided more context, which is that they were paid about $12 million each to make this movie, which is more, according to him, so if this fact is wrong, you can go to him, but I think he's probably right because it's Matt. 
is more than Michael Keaton was paid to make his second Batman movie. <laughs> uh, I would think he must be right because it's not like him to get a Batman factoid wrong. Yeah, I, I, I feel like that's something he probably knows cold. The thing that kind of blew my mind reading the Wikipedia article was that this was obviously meant to be like a blockbuster movie. Like it was meant to be a big movie. I'm not sure if it was meant to be a rom-com or if it was meant to be an action movie. (laughs) But I am so used to thinking of it as a footnote to Ben and J-Lo's tumultuous relationship that I had completely forgotten or maybe never knew because we were kids that it was like supposed to be a good movie, which is probably why Al Pacino and Christopher Walken are in it. But did they not like read the scripts and were like, oh, my mistake? (laughs) I mean, maybe they were, but it was too late at that point to back out. I don't know. Matt was theorizing that the composer, who seems to continue working, was probably like phoning this in in the middle of a better project. I mean, I would. But I don't know. Look, it's a paycheck, right? You offer me $12 million, maybe I'll do Geely too. I don't know. That's a tough choice. That's actually a tough choice. <laughs> like, you don't know going in what an awful movie it's going to be, right? Yeah. But I think it, the well had really been poisoned before it was released, which I didn't know at the time, but seems true. I mean, I the- will say that $12 million does ease, like, soothe the sting a bit. <laughs> like, if you never have to watch the movie, sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, you just have to, you know, bear the brunt of being in this film for the rest of your career. But they're clearly both doing fine, you know, like, yeah, I think for a while in the mid aughts, like he was kind of having to like wade through like the failure of Geely because it was like this and Daredevil also. Oh, okay. I don't think of him as someone who's ever had trouble getting work, though. That was a low point. (laughs) It's fine. He got married. He had kids. And then had a sad divorce. It's fine. Yeah, that that really bummed me out. Um, But I was truly like. I haven't seen all his work, but I've seen a fair bit, right? And I was like, is this his worst performance ever? It's possible. I haven't seen Daredevil, so I couldn't say. But this is very bad. He's very bad in it. It The whole thing is bad. It's like, not like all his performances are great, but like, he has some good performances. Sometimes you're just like, I can't believe this is the same human being. But I guess we talked about that in our He's All That podcast. Yeah. I'm sorry, my wife is really incensed because she, I think she heard through the door that I was saying that I haven't seen Daredevil, that could be worse, and she's really upset because she loves Daredevil, so. Really? Yeah, but for, like, n- not performance reasons. I think she's just, like, she watched it when she was younger and she was just into it. <laughs> anyway, let's move on. Um, Were there people of color in this film? Well, there was J-Lo. They spent so much of the movie just, like, in the house. Yeah, in his apartment, which... For an L.A. apartment, I must say, was enormous. So when the ex-girlfriend, like, shows up and it's like, this place is a shithole, I was like, is it? Where in L.A. was it, did they say? No, I don't know. It, it looked like it could have been in, like, in Hollywood or something. But it could have also been the Valley. I think I was too preoccupied jotting down potential were seen after potential were seen, and I didn't have a lot of time to clock the apartment. But seriously, were there any other people? Like... No, certainly no one significant, but maybe, maybe like we may have glimpsed a black person at the hospital or something. Like, I have no idea. No, not anyone with lines, I don't think. I think just like, you know, maybe some extras in the background on the street. Cool. So JLo is the only person of color in this movie, which is probably good because we don't deserve this. And she got $12 million, so she's doing okay. She's doing just fine. Um, yeah. What would you rate this? Negative a thousand. 
Well, this came up last time, but I don't know if there was an answer. Is the bottom of our scale a zero or a one? Right, 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 right. What, I don't remember what we decided last time. I think I've always thought that one... One is the lowest. I'm going to so give this a, guess, one, a one. Yes. One horrible conversation about bulls and cows and turkeys? One JLo writhing on an exercise mat. One upsettingly dull knife cutting through a thumb. One ex-girlfriend slitting her wrists in the middle of Ben Affleck's apartment. One $12 million paycheck that may or may not have been worth it. And with that, thank you so much for tuning in for our October film. Julie, I apologize. You know. You should. But we're going into the holiday season, and I'm very excited to see what we'll be watching. So tune in next month. Get ready. And um, we'll talk to you soon. Bye. Thank you to Hannah Oatman, who composed our theme music, and Alexandra Oatman, who painted our logo art. You can follow Alexandra on Twitter at at Alexandra. Special thanks to Quincy Surasmith for advising us on the art of the podcast. Subscribe to his wonderful podcast, Asian Americana, at wherever you get your podcasts. Want more Romcomathon? You can read past reviews at romcomathon2016.tumblr.com and follow us at romcomathon2016 on Facebook and Twitter and romcomathon on Instagram. We look forward to hearing from you. Please subscribe and rate Romcomathon on iTunes. Thank you.